Got Your Ears On is brought to you by Tactical Legion 9. Everybody, hello and welcome to this week's episode of Got Your Ears On. Guido here along with Scooter Plunk and Johnson. Guido, a good thing happened, chased by bad things, and it's a weird time today. We're going to have to unpack some stuff. It is a weird time. We're going to have to unpack a lot of things. WVU beats Oklahoma for the first time since 2008. And then the next day, Shane Lyons gets fired as the athletic director at WVU. Uh, so, yeah. So, you know, we're a day late on our podcast, dollar short. But uh, we did find out this morning, uh, 8 a.m. or so, that Shane Lyons has uh, been let go by the university or has resigned. Sort of like a mutual separating of ways. It was more of like, you're leaving. Um, and Johnson, it's just... I don't even know where to start. Like, what's so funny about it is you were the one who said this, who asked about this, and then it kind of came true. Yeah, last week on the show, I was sort of just playing devil's advocate. Like, hey, do you think Shane Lyons gets roped into that? But even at the time, Guido, I personally, I don't think, you know, we were talking it through, but I don't think I personally felt like that would happen. I guess to me, it just feels weird that, well, number one, we prophesize that we often record Sunday nights and then that ensures news will break Monday morning. We joked about that. This broke on a Monday morning, pretty much first thing. I think it's it's interesting to me, Guido, that they're moving on the athletic director and not, you know, we've been laser focused on on Coach Brown. It's just interesting to me they would move on Shane Lyons when if you I think if you're a rational person and you step back and look at the whole package of the athletic department it's not bad. You know there's no there's a lot there's a lot of good there's actually a lot of great. Right. Uh but I think you know having the biggest uh revenue generator in such a bad situation right now was apparently a bridge too far to cross for the people that are making these decisions well and scooty it's one of those things where it's weird for me because you know shane Lyons under his regime has done a lot of stuff he finished building a beautiful baseball stadium uh in mon county there have done t- a ton of expansions to the Milan pushcar center a new basketball you know practice facility he's got national championships under his belt and like amazing runs by team like the soccer team and there's a lot that's been going right in the athletic department, you know, a coach that gets put into the Hall of Fame. And then the football program, obviously one of the biggest gen- revenue generators is a stinker from the coach that he hired. But is this the right move for WV to make Scooty? Yeah, I, I mean, listen. Uh I realize that you if you look at the body of work and you look at all the other sports um unfortunately for him the one sport that he couldn't afford to get wrong was football. And that's the one he got wrong. Uh, you look at, um, how the team has performed. You look at how, uh, the, the stands are filling up now as we're in kind of a, a tread water season. Financially, it's not a good look for Shane Lyons. And unfortunately for him, he kind of hitched his wagon to Neil Brown and Neil didn't help him. But you know, the initial hitching scoot made perfect sense. I think it was the uh, it was the extra straps and uh, yes. what would you call that? Like you know, protector uh, hitchings that really just brought this whole thing down, right? I mean, you can't you extend a guy when he's eleven and eleven after an army like a, a victory in the liberty bowl against army that was sort of a crap show right i mean to me that was a weird time to extend i uh, i think it's always a gamble but it felt like a weird time to gamble getting cold feet thinking someone was going to steal your 500 uh wins loss coach away 
ultimately, ultimately, that looks like what took him down, right? Yeah, it's like Shane Lyons was reading one of those crazy WVU fan sites saying, oh, no, Auburn's going to take him. We better, you know, and like, and then all of a sudden he signs this deal with him. And I think you're right, Johnson. That's what ultimately sunk him is the the extension. Well, and and guys, I don't, I, I don't love it. Like, if I'm being honest, I don't love this because I think, like, you could make a list of probably a pretty long list of things that you would counter argue as like, here are things that could be better with the athletic department. And I'm sure I would agree with all those, but don't you think it's a little bit, if you consider Shane Lyons is a West Virginia guy, he's a West Virginia alum. He's generally regarded throughout the industry, not, not just around Morgantown or West Virginia, but throughout the industry as competent and you know, a just a general good guy for the position, respected in the position. So I, I don't. It's not that I don't like it. Look, I think things need to move in a way. And you made a bad gamble. Unfortunately, you know, we pay you to keep this budget in check and spend this money well. And it, man, did it go south with this extension on the football coach? But I think I'd be lying if I said I love this because generally speaking, this is the type of guy that everyone in the fan base usually rallies around, right? So it feels weird to be looking away from him and onto someone someone new. I mean, I wish him the best. It sucks it didn't work out, but I can see why. But I don't love it if I'm being honest. Well, I I think he I think and I don't know all the backstory, but from things I've read, uh I don't know that the negotiations um, in general uh, have gone great. I, I read that uh, when Huggins had his last deal, the negotiations were a little tense and, and not what you would have thought they'd be like. Um, and and I don't know beyond that. I don't know like what kind of conversations he's had with Neil. We don't know if if it was his idea to bring Graham Harrell in or not, I don't, you know, I don't, we don't really know that. Well, I think, I think the interesting thing was, you know, so WVU announces that Rob Alsop, who is, I don't, I'm not even sure Johnson, what Rob Alsop is. He's a strategic, he's vice president of strategic initiatives yes. for the, and uh, for WVU. And I'm sure he's a great guy, but doesn't that sound like one of those titles that's like, sounds very important, but ultimately communicates nothing to you about what he does. Like, I don't <laughs> right Exactly. What? So, I don't mean, or, or is he just the guy that they have, like his job is to come into positions when they fire people like this. Like he might've been the Dean of the music department, uh, you know, last week and this week he's uh, athletic director. Well, and he said as much, right. He was like, I'm happy to be your AD for three weeks or something like <laughs> yeah. that. It was like, uh, Weird spot. Here I am. My favorite part was is so they asked him a question. They said, you know, they asked how long, and they said three to four weeks. They asked a bunch of questions, but they said, who ultimately is the one making the decision for the new athletic athletic director position? And uh, his answer was was kind of humorous because he said, you know, ultimately it's it's President Gee's decision, and and you know we've hired this firm, uh, Turnkey X Y Z or whatever they're called. And he go and then and the and the best line of it, Johnson was. You know, so it's President Gee, and then he said, and other appropriate stakeholders <laughs> is how he phrased it. <laughs> and all I could think of was is there's, you know, guys like Ken Kendrick and these guys who helped start that, you know, WVU, uh, you know, thing for the kids to get paid. And they're all saying, listen, Shane's not listening to what we're saying, so you need to fix this and – and that's that's how this all started. Yeah, that vis-a-vis -vis is like uh, people who write big checks. People who write big checks. The people like, who write big checks. <laughs> also known as uh, people appropriate with stake uh, Appropriate stakeholders. <laughs> it's right. I mean, how much of this, Scooty, do you think was there were other people in President Gee's ear saying, hey, listen, this guy, he's not he's not our guy? Well, I, I think here's the thing. It Right now, the WVU uh, historic football program, historic college, right now is on the verge of becoming irrelevant. And we weren't that way 10 years ago. And I think a lot of those boosters and a lot of those people that have done well and could go back and say, hey, look at my alma mater, look at my, you know, look at the school I support. You know, we're in the Fiesta Bowl. We're we're doing some of these. We have Pat White. We had Steve Slayton. We had uh, Pat McAfee. 
We had all these these big names that have come from us that are part of us, and the last four years, uh, we have Austin Kendall and question mark like we don't have anything else to like really uh, beat our chests about so that's that's something that you know as an alum you want to be proud of where you're from right now i don't know that people are proud of the football program as it currently stands we think that you know well i'm speaking for 99 percent of all of wvu football fans uh, we see Garrett Green. He looks good. We think he's good. He is player of the week for the Big 12, offensive player of the week for the Big 12. Yet, I would say most of us are still thinking that he's probably not going to play <laughs> next week or start next week. So, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, could, it's a toss up right now, right? And I guess we're going to get to that. But, like, don't skew that. I think out of all the stuff we read, the thing that you brought up, because I think you you texted earlier, for some reason sticks with me more than anything else I've read today about Shane Lyons, and that was the quote-unquote difficult negotiations with Bob Huggins. To me, for some reason, so help me unpack that, you two. Like, that that's what I think stuck out. Like, of all the stuff I read, that seemed to stick out, because to me, there's more at play here. There's more like... To me, this was not because, like I said, I think body of work wise, like, again, look, I'm not naive. Football is the biggest revenue generator. Of course, it's going to drive the boat. But I think to me, you would think the school would say, hey, we're going to like you might not want to do this, Shane Lyons, but you got to move off of Neil Brown. To me, it feels like a very much bigger jump, bigger step to say, Hey, Shane Lyons, sorry, but you're out. Like to me, that's, there must've been other frictions going on there. That I wonder, do we think that Shane Lyons was, and I get it. It was his hire. Is he super loyal to Neil Brown? And maybe there was some like, Hey, listen, uh, maybe it's Gordon. Maybe it's uh, a booster or, you know, an important saying, listen, Hey Shane, uh, I know Neil was the right, choice at the time but hey man we're we're kind of treading water we're going in the wrong direction i i would really like to see our program do something different and shane maybe have been real defensive about that and said listen i'm giving him you know we're going to give him two more years or what he may have said something that either gordon didn't like hearing or the boosters didn't like hearing or the board of trustees or somebody didn't like hearing and Ultimately, they came to a decision. It's easier to move the football coach if we move the athletic director first. Well, and and I agree with that. I think I want to go back to what Johnson was talking about. I think Bob Huggins plays more of a role in this than we all think. Doesn't it feel like that a bit, Guido? It does. And 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 here's the thing: like you have to think about a couple of things. Like one is is like you know Bob Huggins is you know whatever WVU basketball coach emeritus he's he's you know he's there will always be a place for him in the athletic department right and then you take on top of that the issues with the negotiating of Huggins's contract you don't see a lot of grip and grin with Huggins and Shane Lyons you saw it at the Hall of Fame which I think you had to but you don't see a ton of it and on everything else guys we have to remember that like football being what it is I think everybody knew like Neil Brown had to do a lot if anything, to be able to save his job this year, basketball, Coach Huggins ain't he ain't he ain't a kid anymore. Like he's probably only got a handful or so years, if that, left to coach. And I'm just starting to wonder where people starting to chatter. You know, the, like those additional stakeholders, where they starting to chatter, saying this isn't this isn't the guy to hire the person who takes over after Bob Huggins. Well, that's interesting, Guido, because I actually hadn't thought about that. But that feels like the next step, doesn't it? It's like someone was thinking, hey, this is coming to a close. We need someone we feel confident about in the driver's seat. Maybe this isn't the person. Right. And if there's going to be a time, if there's going to be a time to tear it down, if there's going to be a time to do this change, knowing that we have to hire a football coach, this is the time. Yeah, that's a good point. Knowing that Huggins, Huggins, somebody knows... Huggins has told somebody three years, four years, whatever it is. That's that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, and doesn't it seem to reframe Scoot like now? Now it may, and I know this is all hindsight is 2020, right? But doesn't it make you sort of replay some of the things we've talked about over the years of the podcast, like uh, the women's basketball coaching situation? Suddenly he was gone, 
You know, that was weird. At the time, we were like, that's weird, but we didn't really dive too deep into that. And I even, and Scoot, I'm going to ask you this one because you're, I feel like you follow this a bit more than I do, but the, even the men's soccer coaching yeah, situation was, was very weird too in hindsight. I think that was someone who also had been in tenure for quite a, a while. And then it was sort of a snap like, yeah, he, he, he wasn't there anymore. Yeah. Marlon LeBlanc, who, um, was kind of a, I want to say a pioneer, but one of very few African-American head college soccer coaches, uh, very successful, had the team ranked numerous times, sent a lot of players on to play professionally, um, just kind of out of the blue, like you said, like all of a sudden we're moving on from him and bringing in Dan Stratford. Like it's just kind of, it is odd. It's a little odd. It just kind of makes you rethink those situations, doesn't it? Like that's maybe a little bit weirder than we even then we thought at the time. Like we thought it was weird at the time, but maybe it reframes some of that stuff. Is here too. I know you guys mentioned how you know there's a lot been a lot of renovations and things, but how much of that was already kind of in the works prior to Shane coming on board? Some of those things don't happen that quickly, so it takes some time. So you know, is that more so, and I, I'm going to say people probably feel Oliver Luck had more of an impact, especially in, in bringing in money, like getting us into the Big 12 and some of those things, than what Shane Lyons did or had in the sense that Shane Lyons basically was told, listen, don't screw this up. We we're kind of in the right direction, you know, going in the right direction. And maybe enough. there was enough ripples where people are like hey you know what shane's he's a nice guy he's one of us but he's not really pushing us forward he's just trying not to mess things up and in the process he was messing some things up i guess (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i mean and and i guess the other interesting part of all of what happened uh today monday with this is also the fact that in the same statement where they announced Shane Lyons was let go, they essentially said Neil Brown is the head football coach until the end of the season. Like, he's going to coach these last two games um, and a bowl game if we get one. Uh, Neil, that, <laughs> like, if it happens. But I think Rob Alsop said as much, right? Didn't he make a statement of, like, it was communicated to Coach Brown that this is not tied to to his role i mean you know there, there was some wording of that from from also this wasn't the first of another shoe to drop i think is kind of what he got yeah i think i mean at the end of the day if your boss gets fired the the, bo- the guy that hired you gets fired uh, maybe you're a little worried you know it doesn't look good for well, you i think we all agree that we i mean that feels like an inevitability now right i mean i don't expect neil brown to survive shane lyons not being here. listen i come into a company from scratch brand new Right. So I come into the company and I'm told to overlook and evaluate the previous, you know, couple of years. And I notice that there are some downward trends and that maybe some changes need to be made. I'm not going to sit back and be like, well, you know what? I don't know that the guy that's making all those decisions who's leading the downward trends is going to bounce back this year. I feel like I feel like a bounce back. Like it's not going to happen. So Neil barring a, and I'm going to call it the Morgantown miracle, barring the Morgantown miracle, if he somehow wins out the rest of these games and gets into a bowl game, like that might be the only thing that gets him maybe another year, maybe, but I, I don't know, man. I, Scoot, wouldn't you, wouldn't you like to be there when Neil Brown tells the next athletic director, uh, listen, you gotta, you gotta trust this climb we're on. Okay. Listen. Right. Well, I think here, here's the thing, Scooty. I think that the, I, there is a scenario. If you're Neil Brown, there is a scenario where you're coaching WVU next year, just for the fact of, you know, one, there's still the buyout and all that, but two is how, how long is it going to take them to get an AD? And so at what point are, are is the, is the new AD going to come in and be like, we'll just deal with this for a year. And then next year, you know? Like, I just wonder if that's on the table. Yeah. And even if it works out. So to me, if you take, you know, so in the stuff we read earlier and we we heard from Alsop, it was essentially three weeks, right? They said anticipate it within the next three weeks. So if even if you take that at best case, you know, I guess literally, I don't know, we probably shouldn't. But if you were going to take that as like best case 
and you say someone new is in place in three weeks, to me, even that seems like a crazy timeline to then say, here's your coach, and that coach is now recruiting and trying to keep current people from an exodus to the portal. You know, So I kind of agree with you, Guido. I almost feel like, I don't, I don't know. I, it, it almost feels like Neil Brown now does get a, another year because otherwise, otherwise maybe you send stuff into chaos almost. I, I don't know. Maybe not. I don't, I don't think he does. Um, what I find interesting is the statement that came out uh, today and I'm trying to think of where it came from, but I, I want to say it came from either Gordon Gee or, or Mike Alsaw. Is it Mike? That is first. Rob. Rob. I, I want to say Mike Allstott. Can we call him Mike Allstott? <laughs> <laughs> no. Looks nothing. They look nothing alike. Yeah, he no, did they not, don't look he alike did not at all. play fullback for the Buccaneers. So dude. when Mike Allstott <laughs> came out and said, um, <laughs> <laughs> when he said that uh, the players really, and I think this was more Gordon Gee, that the players were playing for each other and that they were playing for their coaches. And that was part of the reason why they didn't want to make a change just yet, that they could see that in the spirit of the players, they were, they were really uh, connected to the coaches and playing for each other and all this stuff. Listen, my first thought was, I think players play for each other. I think sometimes the players are playing in spite of the coaches, right? Or maybe, or or maybe. perhaps winning in spite right. of the coaches. Like, that's what I mean. Like I think, like some of these guys are like bro- they're brothers, right? They're they're brothers with each other, and they're thinking, "Hey, I'm not going to let you down." But listen, this guy wants to do this, that, and the other thing. Let's go show him why we're good college football players, and we're going to do what we're supposed to do. Brothers got a hug, Scoot. Well, and that's like I. You know, we haven't talked too much about it yet, but you look at Garrett Green. Uh, there's probably some parts of Garrett Green that's doing what is the right thing to do in spite of what he's being told to do. Right. right. Well, that's where I was kind of going. Like, I feel like Saturday, Guido, it almost felt like we won in spite of everything we were coached coming into the game to do, really. I mean, that's what it felt like. I mean, WV, I mean, I don't think that's the first time we've ever beaten Oklahoma at home. It's the uh, only the first time we beat in Oklahoma since we were in the Big Twelve. Um, it's the first time we beat Oklahoma since that awesome game in two thousand eight, right. runaway beer truck game. Um, I think the most interesting thing to come out of it, guys, is obviously what we've been talking about, which is the fact that JT Daniels, five star, super amazing quarterback, allegedly gets benched after a series, two series, throwing an interception. Garrett Green comes in. Runs for over 100, passes for over 100, scores two touchdowns on the ground, throws one in the air, gets Big 12 player offensive player of the week. And I go, well, why haven't we been doing this all season? Yeah, well, and Scoot, I mean, we we were there. I'm, I'm going to read this tweet to you, and you tell me if you're like, yeah, I was living that. So uh, Wesley Shoemaker at Wesley Shoe tweeted at halftime, Oklahoma 12, WVU 6, in the first half – there were a combined 15 drives with an interception, a fumble, a turnover on downs, a missed field goal, a two-point conversion on a fumble <laughs> point after attempt, and seven punts. Like, it was a complete poop show, right? And from the WVU side, Scoot, we were watching, like, that's kind of where I'm going with this whole like winning in spite of you could like whatever we uh, whatever we put in the old blender and drew up for this game. Wow. Was it not working in the first half? Right. Like it was terrible. Like for a fan from the fans perspective, my, my pants were wet. (laughs) (laughs) We were miserable. Right. But I think at points it was like ice balls that were coming out of the sky. (laughs) It was, it was bad. Um, we saw pretty much a lack of offense on both teams. Like it was like appalling how neither team wanted to, there was a stretch there where I don't think either team was on the other team's offensive half. Well, and there were two Guido, um, and I'm sure you, you got this well, can watch. We, can we first, can we first say I was, uh, I was sitting at home under a blanket, <laughs> nice and warm. <laughs> watching what might have been the worst half of football I ever watched that first half. Like, 
I would have rather seen, you know, Fairmont Sr. play Milton High in a football game. <laughs> it, and it probably would have been more more entertaining. I mean, it was bad. It was bad football from both sides. It was bad well, football. And Scoot and I are sitting under 97-cent emergency ponchos we decided to pick up at Walmart that morning because it, quote, might rain in our discussion, right? No. It was like a torrential <laughs> freezing downpour through the first half. We're watching high school average high school football on the field in front of us and it it was like there were a couple parts of this game where i felt like the two teams were like you win it no no you win it no after you please you win it like we scoot we watched oklahoma receivers get hit in the chest with the ball and just like for sure touchdowns and drop it. It was like some of just bad, bad, bad football. It was, it was so bad. I had wet pants. I had uh, a poncho hood issue where if I put the poncho hood up, it was going to cause potential wet backside for me because the poncho goes over the head. And as you pull on the hood, it pulls up the back of the poncho. So that was a problem. Uh, I watched the entire game with one of my socks half down at the toe of my <laughs> which was saturated. So I was basically going, no sock on the heel, sock all wadded up at the end of my shoe. I didn't dare bend over to f- fix it because that was going to lead to more wet pants. Plus, Guido, the con- the context that you don't have in addition to the scene Scoot is setting for you is that we had a healthy bet among us, Scoot and another person in our party, that if uh, – so Scoot was – he was determined that the point spread was going to be working in this game. Oklahoma was going to have control. So the bet was that – the bet against Scoot was that if WVU was up at the half, he had to eat one West Virginia dog with his hated slaw on top, right? So as it went to like 10-6 before <laughs> that clown show blocked punt return for two points, Scoot is sweating the slaw dog, right? He's like, we're getting close. Like we were telling him, like we had the ball late in the half and I'm over there like, it's first and slaw, Scoot. It's a first down and slaw to go. He was, so he's got sock balled up in his shoe, wet butt, hood issue, rain coming down, partly sleet, slaw dog on tap. He was not enjoying the first half at all. That's the context you need to know. Uh, the the outcome of the game was also so the second half it uh, it ramped up a little bit because the the wager uh, for the completion of the game went from slaw dog to ghost pepper whopper. So you know how Scoot hates to eat spicy stuff. We parked at a Burger King parking lot on Patterson, right? And they're advertising the ghost pepper whopper. So the bet then evolved into. WVU wins. Scoot has to eat a ghost pepper Whopper. He's now sweating. Garrett Green comes in. We start firing on all cylinders. There are chants of ghost pepper green in our section as we're as we're trying to hype the team up to get this to fruition. It was he he was having probably one of the most unenjoyable games he's watched in a while, to be it, honest. It with was you. painful, painful to me because I have been an arduent. Is that a word? Ardent? Ardent or ardu? I don't know what arduent is. <laughs> okay. okay. I've been an arduent fan Ar- of Ghost Pepper Green for two years. Yeah. You show me Ghost Pepper Green in the Oklahoma game last year. I lit up. I thought, hey. It worked. And it worked. Awesome. Let's do this all the time. That was the only time, apparently, we wanted to do that. <laughs> Last year, we decided, you know what? That was too good. We're not going to do that again. We'll save that for a year and then break it out again against Oklahoma. So I'm like, I, actually, I'll be honest. I've liked Garrett Green ever since he came into that one game and ran his mouth against, uh, I don't even know who we were playing. Sister. Oh, we were. Like Eastern Kentucky. Yeah. And yeah. he's running his mouth at a on a first down run or something. He's jawing with the defender. I loved it. It was I think it was Long Island is when he did that. I loved it. So here I am finally seeing what 
you and I and Guido and the rest of America have known and seen anytime we've watched football, but don't tell him because he probably doesn't read what we think he's supposed to be reading during practice or something. I'm not really sure. He was only an elite 11 quarterback. But anyway, he is running the ball like a wild man. He's pumping his fists. He's The crowd is chanting his name. At the end of the game, they chanted his name as he walked off the field. And here I am. I have to sort of like temper my emotions because – my stomach lining will have uh, been eaten by the ghost pepper, and I fear for my well-being if the Mountaineers win. Well, Guido, during this game, during this game, Terrell Chestnut said uh, he tweeted out that a commentator said a star is being born today here in Morgantown, and he put well in my opinion. He's been there. The coach just didn't play his bleep. So, like, <laughs> so, so just so we round this story out. Did you eat the ghost pepper waffle? No. Can I tell this? No. Hold on. So we go in Burger King, right? Just yes. give me some liberty here. I'll try not to make this too too labored. But we go in Burger King. We're trying to assess how wet and miserable we are, but we are very happy. You know, we just sang Country Roads. We walk back down to where we've parked. We go in Burger King. Uh, the person in our party that is going has won this bed is getting ready to order the victorious ghost pepper whopper and Guido. What does the guy behind the counter say? Oh, that's just on the sign. We don't actually have the stuff yet to make the ghost pepper whopper. Oh man! So now I wanted so bad. I wanted so bad to hear what the ride back on Route Seven <laughs> oh, wait, was going to be like. No, we're, hold on, hold on, we're getting there. <laughs> no, no. So now. Now a heated discussion. Well, first a discussion with the this poor uh, cashier at Burger King ensues because uh, a um, a reasonably lubricated person in our group uh, is explaining this entire bet to the person at Burger King, right? <laughs> like the fourteen year old yes. kid who's and this their- poor kid is like. Dude, I don't know what you want me to do. I I can't serve you a ghost pepper whopper, right? He's like, we don't like. I'm not lying. We really don't have them, right? So, so now we enter into this like, you know, well, we have to go eat dinner somewhere anyway, and uh, someone else in our group comes up with uh, Scoot. What what was it? Um, uh, what was the restaurant we went to? Rio Verde. Rio something. Rio Verde in Saberton. Which is where you get all your authentic Mexican food is in Saberton, by the way. <laughs> Saberton. But it was actually yes. extremely – so anyway, as a quick aside, if you want some really good – they should sponsor us. I'm doing a bit I'm doing a, a bit I mean, now. they're getting – You should go yeah. – yeah, Rio Verde in Saberton was very good. Like, service was great. Muy bien. Food was Food was great. Muy bien. So we go into, uh, we go into um, Rio Verde. We sit down. The person that was pushing the purchase of the ghost pepper whopper at Burger King now has engaged in a conversation with our waiter at Rio at at Rio Verde. What is the hottest thing on your menu? So Scoot goes from I'm off the hook, yay, to oh my god, this may have just gotten worse. a lot worse, right? And the guy says, "Hold on." I'll be back. And he goes into the back of the restaurant, right? And and we're like we're sort of giggling now and Scoot's, yeah, there's a lot of giggles. Scoot is now sitting with trepidation, right? He is not giggling. And the guy comes back out with a bowl of like salsa stuff, right? That he this witch's brew salsa that he has personally concocted. And then at the table, he actually spices it up in front of us a bit more with some more stuff. Then Scoot gets into this sort of terrorist negotiation with the person that won the bet in our group, right? Of how, like, so there would have been four to five. How do you even know this, right? But there would have, he posited that there would be four to five peppers on this whopper, which I think is being a little bit gracious to Burger King. I don't really know that's the the case, right? But they settle on four would have been the number. So that means Scoot has to take a chi- he has to take four chips into this witch's brew 
Mexico, you know, they don't even allow it in Mexico. It's too spicy dip. And he has to go four, four chips deep into this salsa, right? So yep. Scoot is a man. Scoot, you were a man. I appreciate You manned up. Thank you. And he sort of went first one, and then he evaluated. Then he decided... I'm I'm effed here, right? Because his lip, he's like he's like I already kind of can't feel my lips, right? So he's like I'm in a so then he just went two, three, four in succession, I think, right, Scoot? Man, I'm in a tight spot. I was in a tight spot. <laughs> I did survive. I did survive. Oh, that's too good. No, but you survived. I don't think he was able. He couldn't taste the rest of his dinner. True. And the ride from Saberton home was interesting. Uh, but he did survive. Also true. Uh, I was I was really worried um, that uh, I'd have to make a pit stop or something, you know. But uh, I mean, look, right? Like when you're in hundred, there ain't no place no. to stop, right? So you better be no. comfortable. Yeah, I, like no. there's not a lot of places on seven that you yeah. want us. Yeah, you not happy. You want to stop? Yeah. Well, let me try to. Okay, so I'm going to try to pull everything back. We try to pull it all back. Let's talk. Let's just talk really quick. One more thing about Garrett Green. Uh, one of only three quarterbacks, Johnson, in WVU history to have a game where he rushes a hun- over 100 yards and throws for over 100 yeah, yards. Yeah, so Scoot, how do you like that? Quarterbacks in WVU history with 100-plus yards and two touchdowns rushing and 200-plus yards and one touchdown passing, let me read them off to you. Major Harris, Pat White, and now one Garrett Green. Well, you know what I think we should do? What's that? We should celebrate that by starting JT Daniels next game. <laughs> <laughs> do you, I mean, do you, here, here's the thing. Do you think JT Daniels starts next week? There's no way Neil Brown starts JT Daniels next Listen, week. No way. Shane Lyons might walk out on the field and fire him, even though he's not the AD anymore if he starts anybody but Garrett Green. He Here's the thing, right? Whether he's just saying it to to posture himself to maybe keep JT Daniels from moving out and trying to get into the portal, like the fact that he's like, well, I don't know that we're gonna we're not gonna necessarily announce a starter, and even if we do decide on one, we're probably not gonna make it public. And like, so are you saying that Neil because you don't want the other team to be able to prepare for such? Are you saying that, Neil, because you don't want JT hurt JT's feelings and have him in the portal? Are you saying that because you're mad that Garrett Green wasn't reading the reads that you wanted him to read? Where did, like so why the why the games? Just if if you don't want to start Garrett Green, and I don't feel like he does, then just say I well, we're gonna go back to JT Daniels, you know, JT's our starter or whatever. If you don't want to start JT Daniels, and to be honest with you, I feel Garrett Green has earned these, this right, this opportunity. Absolutely. Right. He's absolutely so earned then it. Why don't you give the kid at least the, the, the graciousness, the, the fact that he's earned, you know, give this kid a chance to say, hey, guess what? I'm, I'm the starter this week. Like, come on. Yeah, and I don't think Guido – I mean, look, I, I wish no ill will toward JT Daniels. In fact, I think it's sad that it's he's regressed the way he has since after about – honestly, after about the second, third game of the season, he just hasn't been the same person we saw in those first three games. And I think – the look, the red carpet was rolled out for him. It was put on a platter and served up. I mean, I think he got a pretty sizable NIL deal out of the thing. And now we're four and six. We would have been three. Uh, we would have been uh, three and seven had Garrett Green not come in. I, I agree with both of you. I don't know how you look at Garrett Green and say, "Hey, look, I can't go with." It. Like he's earned. You're right. He's earned it. He energized right. a whole. Look, there were fifty thousand of us, if we believe the attendance mark. Allegedly. I know there weren't any. Like, look, I'm not one of those people, but I think it needs to be mentioned that the students pretty much gave their statement on how they feel about the coaching staff because they were just MIA. Like, and I, as a former student, I hate it when people gripe about student attendance at games. But Scoot, you would agree that section was there. I mean, there were there were there were some students there. Most of them decided to go shirtless. And wear overalls, and and a couple of them had mullets, but the there were very few students operating with wet pants like you and I were. 
Like, I'll tell you that much. There was a lot of, there may be students that watched the game, but they weren't out there in the elements with the wet butt. Yeah. And if you were there, you were fully like, look, the crowd that was there was loud. Singing Country Roads was loud. I mean, they were engaged. And that was all because of one Garrett Green. Like, from the time he came in until the end of the game, that's why people were there and stayed and were happy. So I don't know how you look at this kid now against Kansas State. Now, granted, I will say someone made the comment on Twitter. I don't know who I read to give them credit. But, you know, someone made the comment that, you know, Kansas State's now probably going to prepare for Garrett Green. You know, they're like, uh, uh, we caught Oklahoma kind of out of the blue with this but you know what whatever i mean i i really could care less i think it's actually pretty tough i think it's tougher to prepare for a garrett green when he can hurt you with his feet or his arm i mean the touchdown pass guido he had to bfw uh on a rope he kind of scoot and i were talking about he sort of just stuck it to bf to bfw like it just came in on his shoulder pad so quick the defender didn't have time to react so i think it'd be much harder to prepare for that anyway than what we've been showing with jt daniel i think it's it's been uh what was the uh the thing that neil brown said that uh like uh the the tale of our demise has been grossly over exaggerated or something. Right. Yeah, that's the tale right. of Garrett Green's poor throwing has been grossly overstated. Like, listen, it can throw a football. Let's not act like you know his arms are like he's got no arms and they don't work or something. Like they work. He throws. He's fine. Like, is he? Uh, you know, is he Michael Vick and he's going to throw an 80 yard pass or Patrick Mahomes and throw something ridiculously far down the, I don't know that that, but listen, apparently neither is JT Daniels. JT Daniels throws five yards. Whoopity do. <laughs> did you just give us a whoopity do? He did just do a whoopity do. Like you know, all of a sudden he became a 75 year old <laughs> man. So, um, so anyway, like we should, we should uh, like, granted, we'll see what happens against the K-State game. We should though talk about the WVU's best player that has, you know, done his job pretty much all season. And that would be one Casey leg who ended up kicking the game winning field goal, uh, at the end of the game, Scoot. And, uh, I, you know, it was good. It was good to win a game that way. Four seconds left winning a game. Yeah, like I mean, last that's, minute. that's good. Um, I, listen, <laughs> I don't I mean he's like I'm, I'm not to take you just be happy. I like guys that kick the ball. That's fine and all. Like uh it it's he had to make that. It was inevitable. Like, I mean, if he didn't make that, the place would I don't know. For as much as we wanted to carry carry Garrett Green out on our shoulders, they might have carried Casey Leg out and thrown him in the Mon River. Like I don't like you know you talk about uh, Tennessee taking down the goalposts and throwing it in the Tennessee River. They might have taken Casey Legg and thrown him in the Mon River for missing an easy field goal like that. So, I I mean, it's good. He's, he's exceptionally accurate. It's a nice story because he didn't play high school football. He's a West Virginia kid. I mean, there's a lot of nice things about it. Um, but I think the real story here is it's Garrett Green. I mean, let's – that, and, and I think that uh, – I thought Tony Mathis did okay. I, I was pleased to see Tony Mathis kind of come back and, and have an okay return back to the field. I thought he ran okay. Uh, we saw, again, uh, Jay, uh, Justin Johnson and Jalen Anderson also getting in the mix there, so we're still kind of spicing it up with those three guys. Um, I, the passing game was so-so. Uh, defensively, I thought uh, the defensive line looked good. I thought Jazir Cox had a pretty decent game. He had, I think, led the team in tackles. Um, this he, has been this is like one man's tour de force of things he is not excited about after a uh, win yeah, know, for right? the ages. Scoot, for one thing, the defense gave up 202 yards to a running back. The only other time WVU has won when the impo- when the opponent gave up when the opponent got 200 or more yards rushing was one time Kansas in 2017 so the defense is still setting the old world on fire is all i'm saying listen guys i mean here's here, here's what i'm going to say like it, it, we saw what we saw we played probably we definitely played the worst oklahoma team we've ever seen it's the wor- like this oklahoma team is you know, you think we're in bad, we're having a bad, they're having a bad. And I mean, they just lost to us. So, well, don't you, don't you think it's funny, Guido, that had Neil Brown not won this game, it almost feels like it would be yet another 
arrow in the quiver of people that are trying to see him get see him get fired because I think you would add couldn't even beat the worst Oklahoma team we've played to date you know at home I right. think it would have been actually more of a so detriment. WVU goes on next week we play our last home game we play our last home game against K State it's two o'clock oh exciting two o'clock <laughs> kickoff uh, and again can I just make a comment I hate the Big Twelve because they put all of their kickoff times and their tweets in like the Central Time yes, Zone yes gosh and we're like can they at least make it right for wherever the home game is WVU goes on to play uh, a couple other quick football notes then we have to talk about basketball guys and we only have like ten minutes left. Um, couple people leaving the team, Johnson. A couple, a couple of guys getting shuffled off into the portal, or just quitting. Yeah, football? Uh, Corbin Page, uh, tight end. He announced he was entering the transfer portal. Mumu Ben Wahad, um, which I like to say his name. Well, the the bad. Th- I mean, it's it's bad anyway because he's a talented dude. But the bad thing there is. He's also a cornerback, as if our secondary needed any more reasons to not have help. So that kind of stinks. And then James Gamitter announced, Guido, that he's just stepping away from football. He's been battling injury. He lost his mother recently. So I you know, I hate to see that, but uh, we wish him, obviously, the best moving forward. He's been a, a huge part of this team uh, during he's gonna his time. He's going to go into a career in law enforcement. So I think he's going to start that a little earlier than maybe what was planned originally. But that's good for him. Yeah. So you have to uh, check in. Uh, guys, we do have to really quick make our picks for the game on uh, next week. K-State coming to Morgantown, playing uh, a K-State team that, you know, was at one point ranked this season uh, and has kind of fallen off of of sort of the the, the radar, if you will. Um Johnson, I, I I'm not sure how I feel I feel about this. I mean, you know, K State has had its ups and downs this season. Um, they lost a game to Tulane, I think, at one point, uh, but then they killed Oklahoma. They beat Texas Tech. They were ranked 19th, I think, as they're at the highest point. Um, they come into Morgantown. Are they still ranked coming into Morgantown? Yeah, so I think they're weekend? still at a 19 coming in coming in for this game. I, I, I'll tell you. I mean, you know, they have. Taking care of some teams this this year uh, that uh, I think, I mean, they beat Oklahoma State forty eight to nothing. Maybe this is our fifty plus game. It's got to happen, right? At some point, maybe not. I, I'm going to say K State wins it. I can't pick WVU. I just, I just, it's not in me. It's the last home game of the year. K State thirty seven, WVU thirty one. Garrett Green plays most of the game, though. What do you think, Johnson? Well, it's interesting. We So I can tell you how you felt before the season. You did pick this as a loss as well. So did Scoot. I was the one that went out on a, uh, a limb and said, hey, we'd get a win at home. And I, just because I think it would be very on brand for us to even make things more complicated with a win – I think we will win at home. This team weirdly plays better at home. I still don't understand that. Uh, I I think Kansas State comes in. WVU finds a way to win with Garrett Green. Uh, I'm gonna go. Do we do we know an over under for this game, Guido? I don't think we have it in front of us. Yeah, Johnson. Right now, uh, WVU is a dog by seven. The over under on it's fifty five. Wow, fifty five. Um. You know, I I don't know. That feels like a lot of points for this game. I, I'm going to say WVU wins. Uh, it might be even another Casey leg late kick. I'm going to go WVU 27, Kansas State 24. Ooh, that's close. That is close. Well, um, so I, I don't feel uh, that confident in a close game. Um, Johnson, if, if I could get you to tell me what the motto, what the slogan is at Kansas state, if you recall, Oh, scoot, that's uh that's your favorite. That's Emaw. That's every man, a wildcat. Okay. E-mall. And I think that, uh, unfortunately for our defense, it's going to feel like that, uh, that every man in the stadium might be a wildcat. Um, so what I'm thinking is the offense for Kansas state's going to do well, uh, now they are down Adrian uh, Martinez. I think his first name is Adrian. Is that yes, so? I think so. Yes, um, quarterback, quarterback for K State, yeah, former Nebraska quarterback. Uh, but I, I think they score. I'm going to say they score 34. And Garrett Green. Uh, while I would love to see the Garrett Green magic, I do think that Kansas State will 
plan that he is the quarterback. And I think that that will maybe stifle him a little bit, maybe more so with his ability to, to throw. So I think they'll plan to see him run a lot. Um, so I'm going to say we score 24. So I say 34-24. All right, there we go, boys. WVU plays K-State Saturday at 2 p.m. That game is on ESPN+. Plus. So get out your nickels. you got to pay to watch that one. Guys, a couple more minutes left in the show. Definitely want to hit on basketball real quick. We didn't talk about it at all, but WVU wins two games last week. One game, 76-58 over Mount St. Mary's. The other game, a blowout at the zoo for the backyard brawl, 81-56. First of all, I just want to say, watching the Mount St. Mary's game on ESPN Plus was uber painful for me johnson first of all two teams named mountaineers just shouldn't play each other that just should be a rule because they kept saying like well the mountaineers yes. lost this guy and like talked to him and they kept saying the mountain and i'm like Who, what mountaineer well, like what are you game, talking about this game guido and scoot I, I don't know if you saw this but this 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 game produced one of the funniest tweets i've read in mountaineer twitter in a while so at golden blue zone maybe you follow him on twitter as well but he tweeted after this game so hard to judge a team when they're playing against a bad team on ESPN Plus with Tony Caridi's 12-year-old looking son calling the game with Warren Baker in a neck brace. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that felt like a summation of this game because Mount St. Mary's Guido didn't have a whole lot to offer. WVU sort of went through the motions and just kind of big boyed them uh, to a win. So I, you know, I don't know what we what we really learned. You there. know, I don't think you do. I think this is a game where you know, especially first game of the season, you're playing a team that you should just manhandle. Uh, I think we played what at least ten guys had double digit, maybe even in at least teens minutes. Yeah, uh, a lot of people saw yes. time. And that's not realistic, I don't think. Um, so you kind of take that win. You have to win those because if you don't, then you become uh, uh, John Rothstein, the, the the epitome of brutality kind of tweet or whatever he says all the time. You don't want to be one of those, or you don't want to say you know just uh, you, you know a buy loses a buy in game or whatever they say, and you just are embarrassed. So you got to win that. But the the pit game, I think. Gave us some glimpses of some really good stuff that is only going to get better, right? And I think there's obviously some tweaking to the lineup. There's some tweaking to the minutes that's going to happen. But of what I saw, listen, I think we got uh, three or four guys that we can count on to be reliable. Lead, you know, starting with Emmett Matthews. Uh, Trey Mitchell, Eric Stevenson, those guys, to me, those three right there, they're going to be the engine. Like, if they're going, we're going. Then Joe Toussaint coming off the bench with 18 points, too, was pretty awesome as well. I mean, you know, Emmett's played a ton of minutes in these first games. Like, he, I mean, he's, I think he's averaging something like 32 minutes, 31.8 minutes a game or something crazy like that. Um, so the teams, I mean, obviously they're relying on him. He's the leader this year. Uh, Joe Toussaint coming off the bench, scoring 18, you know, uh, Eric Stevenson leading the team right now with points. I think there's a lot of good things that are coming together, uh, with it. I mean, I, Eric Stevenson shooting like something ridiculous, like 60% from the field right now. So yeah, it's and what I th- we need. I think it was one of those, like, I, I kind of walked away from it. Like I walked away from this year's Virginia tech football game, like, I want to be happy about it. I'm not going to dissect it too much. It's beating a rival. It it was thumping a rival. I think Pitt is a terrible basketball team, but this was a dominant win by WVU, so it felt very good. I think they asserted themselves. I think Scoot people like uh, Mo uh, Mo Wagi was like super impressive. I think Joe Toussaint was completely different than the person we watched against Mount St. Mary's. I mean, I, I thought there was a lot of good here, and I just really don't want to rain. Like, I know Pitt's not terrific, but this was a dominant win on the road. I mean, it's not easy to go on the road and dominate someone, and that's what they did. I think it was it was great to watch. It was super fun to watch. So, if there's anything that I could be critical of, and I and maybe it changes as the season goes on. And you and I watched the game together, Johnson. So it was kind of a, you don't get to do that too often in person. So that was a good time. But I think, um, and we talked about this during the game, like the minutes where you've got 
Joe Toussaint and Kedrian Johnson out on the floor at the same time. That's a good point. While defensively, that's not bad. Offensively, at, at times, it feels like you're playing four on five. Like, I don't see either of those two guys. Now, granted, Joe Toussaint kind of carried the load, right? I mean, he picked up the slack. He he had a great game offensively. I bet if you told people back at Iowa, listen, Joe Toussaint's going to score 18 points the second game of the season, they'd probably be like, that's not the guy we know because he averaged like 5.3 or something last year. So that's great. Uh, again, I don't know, and this is not to totally dog on Kedrian Johnson. He's just not, to me, in my estimation, a, the big-time offensive threat. I personally would start Joe Toussaint. I understand probably why they start Kedrian right now, but I'm wondering as the season goes on, is Kedrian only a starter, you know, like a token starter? And Joe Toussaint sees the lion's just share like, of the minutes. Just like Jordan McCabe was. Like Jordan McCabe came out and played five minutes to start the game, and then you didn't yeah, see him the rest you, of the game. Right. It makes you wonder if that's the situation. But, I mean, again, in this pick game, Scoot, I think 11 people saw time. So, to me, that's still a ton of it people is. seeing and, uh, the floor. It, for big-time basketball, unless you do something like a press Virginia, which we're not, like, it just doesn't work because you don't get a good enough flow. And guys, especially shooters, like, we often complain about how we don't have any shooting. Well, sometimes you got to be out on the floor to shoot. And if you're coming off the floor all the time, it's hard to get in a rhythm. So you, like, and, and yeah. maybe that's why we're going to see a, a better offensive year out of Emmett because Emmett's probably going to play more minutes than we're used to seeing him. You know? Well, I think, you know, I think we'll, we'll see these rotate. I mean, we've, we've said it before in the past. Hopefully we only see these rotations for two more games. You got Moorhead state this week on Tuesday, and then you've got Penn on Friday, both those games at the Coliseum, both those games at 7 PM on ESPN plus. I think that, What's really going to be telling is when we face the Boilermakers, when we play Purdue Thanksgiving night, 10 p.m. on ESPN2 in the Phil Knight Legacy Classic preseason tournament extravaganza, what we see then, like how Huggins develops this team to that yeah, point. That's right. that, that weekend, those teams in that weekend, he's it'll be different to see how WVU plays. That second game, is that the one where we play at like one thirty in the morning or something? <laughs> it's either a nine. Well, it depends on what happens in the first game. Uh, that's either going to be a 9 p.m. tip off or an 11 p.m. tip off Eastern time. So look forward to that Black Friday. Yeah, right. <laughs> Looking forward to that Black Friday staying up late. Um, so we'll see what happens. I mean, the, the, I feel like the team is coming together. Are you still feeling, Scooty, are you still feeling more confident than, than last year's time? Uh, this is... Now, granted, I don't know how that's going to play out, per se, with the Big 12, but this feels way more like a Huggins-type team. It just it just does. Like, the guys, even Jimmy Bell Jr., who didn't, I didn't think, play all that great. Uh, he missed a couple of shots that, like, um, to the point where I'm like, why aren't you just dunking this thing? You're a gigantic man, and nobody can stop you. Just dunk the basketball. Don't try to lay up. Just dunk. Like, he didn't have a great game. But he's the right mentality, and I think he'll get going. And Huggins has kind of said as much, like, hey, he's not been what we've seen so far, but, you know, I'm not giving up hope on Jimmy Bell Jr. yet. And neither am I. Like, I think, listen, the guy's already proven that he's got tremendous work ethic. If he's lost 70 pounds in, like, two and a half months, that's insane. So, like, I'm going to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give Huggins the benefit of the doubt. As far as determining, you know, whether he's a starter, whether he's got going to get more minutes, I, I just think it's a, it's going to be a much more enjoyable team to watch uh, than what we've seen at least in the last year. Uh, I th I think part of what stung so much from last year's team is that the promise and the hope that we had with the team the year before, right? You had Deuce, you had Oscar, you had Culver. Like it felt like, man, this could be a Final Four team. And then it all kind of just like fell like sand through our fingertips. It just kind of like, yeah, fell apart. And then we got. That was very, uh, that was very philosophic. Very, of you, yeah, Scoot. I was very like, as sand through the hourglass falls, so does. So are the days the of our lives. 
so hey, we'll see what happens. Huggins yeah. still got time. We'll see what happens. Hey, uh, Coach Don WVU. Win. I'm going Coach Don. By the way, I'm not going to do this whole plitz plitz weight. I'm not even going to try it. Coach Don uh, starts off WVU starts the season off. WVU women start the season off with their first game. They won 81 to 31 against USC Upstate. I'm assuming that's University of South Carolina Upstate. The more Spartans. like more like Downstate. Am I right, Scoot? JJ Quinterly, she had 19 points in that game. So, I mean, that's a good way to start. They're also on TV this week. They play Winthrop and Appy State this week on Thursday and Appy State on Sunday. Both of those games are on ESPN Plus. So, check out the women's team too cuz you know, WVU women's has been good over the years and new coach, new blood, you never know what we could what could happen. WVU football plays Saturday against K-State at games 2 p.m. In Morgantown, last home game of the year, senior day, and it's also on ESPN+. Plus, Guys, listen, don't forget, find us online. Look for us on Instagram and Twitter at Got Your Ears. You can also check out our website. Uh, it's GotYourEarsOn.com, Johnson, and it has everything we talk about on it. It does have everything we talk about, including all the show notes that we use for this show. We'll post it all out there on the site. We'll also have the tune-in link right there. You can click on to listen to the latest show right in the browser, and you can also click through to the merch store and check out the GYEO merch. So check it all out. Yeah, check it out, gotyourearson.com. I'm just going to say this before we leave. I'm not going to let anybody comment on it. I'm picking Whit Babcock. I want Whit Babcock to be the next oh, AD at WVU. Virginia Stealing Tech. away from Virginia Tech. Taking oh. back. Uh, we'll see what we'll happens. We'll take so, your trophy. We'll take your athletic director. Be great. That would make you happy, huh? Make It would make me happy. Well, listen, everybody. Thanks for listening this week. We'll be back next week with another show. You've been listening to Got Your Ears On. Got your ears on.